0: At most universities there is not a course titled cloud computing most students leave college without an understanding of distributed systems cloud service providers and the fundamentals of how a data center works casper nissen and martin jensen are changing that with cube cloud, a small tangible cloud computing cluster that runs on raspberry pi's Casper and Martin started CubeCloud as a master's thesis, and it has grown to a textbook sized treatise on cloud computing. CubeCloud is both software and a curriculum to teach students microservices, container management, and all the real world problems of a distributed system. If you're interested in sponsoring Software Engineering Daily or you want to advertise on the show, please send me an email at softwareengineeringdaily.com. I'm looking for sponsors for Q3. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter. The show grows by word of mouth. That's really helpful for us. And if you have any criticism or feedback, please send me an email, tweet at me. I love to hear from listeners. Casper Nissen and Martin Jensen are the creators of CubeCloud, a small, tangible cloud computing cluster. It's spelled K U B E C L O U D. Casper and Martin, welcome to Software Engineering Daily.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: On Software Engineering Daily, we've had many shows about microservices and how they have changed the way that we architect software. So I don't want to reiterate too much of what we have had on previous shows, but this is relevant to the entire project that you are working on with KubeCloud. And in order to get an idea of your worldview and what you are building with KubeCloud, describe some of the trends and technologies that are driving the changes in backend development that inspired your project, KubeCloud.
1: All right. Um, so there's been this uh, paradigm shift, you can say, from these monolithic architectures to more service-oriented architectures. And we, we actually haven't been out working in the real life with these uh, kind of architectures, but we, we watched a lot of uh, conference videos on YouTube and stuff like that. and Just like me. Yeah, <laughs> just like you. <laughs> and we, we, we thought that this was a really, really interesting uh, topic to, to, to go deep into. And we haven't been... You know, exposed that much to distributed systems and stuff like that. So it was a really interesting topic for us to to dig into. And if I should describe the trend a bit, um, so for the last I guess three, four years, three or four years or something like that, we have seen this change into to microservice uh, oriented architectures. And basically, it's. Uh, I, I'm not going to to explain what what it is. I guess your listeners know exactly what it is. But but basically, we are going from these uh, intra-process calls to to inter-process calls, calls over this non-determinic, an undeterministic uh, network, basically. And that's a lot of real. We can go really deep into this, but but that's a lot of characteristics and stuff like that. But I um I do not want to go that deep into that. But um, the idea we uh, of cloud basically came from, from from watching these videos and uh, and now it's it's called KubeCloud, um, and yeah basically we we, we watched we saw a, a demonstration by a guy called Ray Tsang, uh, he's a Google developer advocate um, and uh, together with another guy called Ian Basink, I hope I I pronounced his name right. And, but they demonstrated uh, many of these concepts using a, a Kubernetes uh, Raspberry Pi cluster. Um, yeah mm.
0: right. And we will get into the Kubernetes Raspberry Pi cluster uh, in in, uh, in short order. But um, you know you mentioned the distributed systems side of things. and you said you guys are not experts in distributed systems. But distributed systems is becoming this thing that to some degree everybody needs to understand. So how much does the average developer need to know about distributed systems? Like you know and distributed systems can mean so many things It can mean um, your machine in the cloud and your smartphone. That's a distributed system. Or you could be talking about the abstract concept of uh, processes in, in a Paxos protocol in this highly theoretical, Um, environment what what is the areas what are the areas of distributed systems where developers should be up to date with and should be studying should be familiar with today
2: well that's a big question but um what we saw um was that 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 the view um that many had was that the uh, was this kind of the monolithic uh, uh, application um, and these uh, errors uh, on the network that that can happen uh, that are important to know about uh, that people didn't uh, didn't really know how to handle them um, so um, knowing what errors can happen in the layers below uh, was what we thought was very important and that was also um, why we uh, uh, why we have been working with this uh, term called resilience um and uh and the uh, michael nygaard um, patterns of um of stability um his patterns and anti-patterns um did uh, kind of did, kind of uh, kind of uh, describing uh, what is important here we haven't um been focused um on uh, things such as um paxas or raft 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 uh raft, uh, raft, uh, uh, raft uh, algorithms um but that um But that's of course also uh, 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 also uh, important um, to know. So so
0: it sounds like you're thinking more in terms of the applied side of distributed systems. So to some degree, you can think of you can just abstract Paxos in your brain as this somewhat expensive protocol of gaining a strong degree of consistency among your distributed system. That's all you need to know about what Paxos is.
2: I don't know if that's all you need to know, but uh, that is all that we have, uh, uh, that's all that we have been focused on um, in the course that we uh, that that we have uh, that we have taught um, with this Cube uh, Cloud um, cluster.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I I think that is a that's actually a, um, a somewhat. Pragmatic approach. I mean, it's like these days, do I need to know how Dijkstra's algorithm works? No, I just need to know that it is an algorithm that takes a node and uh, a graph and gives me the shortest path from that node to all other nodes in the graph. I don't really care how I do this, what kinds of priority queues and stuff I use. I just need to know what the algorithm does. And frankly, I think that is the level of abstraction that we should be thinking in, in terms of developers, because our forefathers have prepared these algorithms for us. They've done the hard work of figuring out how they work. We just need to know how they, what they do and perhaps their runtime complexity. And with that notion of abstraction in mind, uh, the the modern cloud solutions that we have today, like AWS, for example, they abstract away some of the difficulties of distributed systems. But there are other things that they do not abstract away, like... You know, they can abstract away a queue, they can abstract away a scheduler perhaps, or um, I don't know, some, some, some database um, c- complexities, but there are things that they cannot abstract away. And I think this gets at the timeless principles that we need to learn as developers. What are the things that distributed systems, like what cannot be abstracted away into a tool? What are the things that, in, in, in your intuition, what are the things that are timeless that we really need to understand as developers?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think that, well, uh, to to give some more perspective, maybe we have uh, so so Kubernetes. Um, we, we have been working a lot with Kubernetes and, and this fr- transformation of the that, of the data center, basically, from being machine oriented to being made more application oriented, and with the introduction of uh, containers and, and and that technology, and. I guess I guess the, the the thing that stays is of course the applications and but the the big change that we have been been watching um, is this shift from from being uh, architectured that into these monolithic applications to going out on the network to to this non deterministic network where yeah basically everything can can go wrong and we need to embrace failures and 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 all of these things um and this, this of course, stays when we, we go into a, a platform as Kubernetes. Um, um, but I, I guess the 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 thing you're asking is um, that does of of course abstractions is is really good. Uh, and but but sometimes understanding the premise of of these abstractions, uh, the, not understanding the premise of these abstractions can re- be a really bad thing, and a lot of things can go wrong if if you don't understand. You know the level below um, these abstractions. Um, mm. So
0: we we're talking a little bit in the abstract about abstractions. We should talk more concretely about Cube Cloud. So uh, tell the listeners what Cube Cloud is and what are your high level goals with Cube Cloud.
2: Okay, um, so Cube Cloud is this a uh, small scale, tangible cloud computing uh, environment. Um, that consists of um, four Raspberry Pis each um, that are uh, well, uh, and they are placed in a rack uh, with a switch. So it's kind of this cluster uh, that we used to each group uh, during a course to teach them about the very practical uh, side of distributed systems. Um, so they were used um, for the students um, to to develop. Their application, uh, and then we um, and then we made them um, shoot it down with uh, load testing and stress testing tools to see um, uh, to see um, what happens uh, with them, and also um, the features uh, in Kubernetes. Uh, for instance, when you uh, pull the network plug, uh, what uh, um, how can Kubernetes then mitigate uh, these errors if you build your application in uh, in specific ways, so that's that was kind of um, what Cube Cloud, um, what it consists of, and what it has been used um, for, very briefly.
0: So KubeCloud Cloud is your your goal with it is to build a tool to help students learn to work with and reason about distributed systems. Um, I, as far as I understand, this is not necessarily built to be. Like a production-grade tool that we're using to like deploy um, like industry applications, it's more of a learning tool. So uh, you maybe you can tell me if that's correct, and you can tell me what are the earlier education tools that have been built with the purpose of distributed systems education in mind.
1: Yeah, you you are absolutely right about your description there. Um, it is not a production. Uh great uh, cluster or anything it, it's it's designed to be a learning object um basically and the tools uh, that comes before and that i guess this is actually the, the problem because we haven't been introduced to to distributed systems in 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 that big of a, a deal in 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 our uh, education um and to i just recently listened to to one of the shows from i guess it was se radio radio i guess you were the host. Uh, uh, with Ben Hintman also uh, from Mrs. Fear also uh, um, talking about this that there's a lot of uh, the people building distributed systems um, haven't had that much education within this area and I guess that's the the big problem and this is um, this is what we're trying to to to, to do something about and and we we really think that this. Uh, this tangible um, physical hands-on tool is a a really good way to to actually uh, teach about distributed systems and especially the the things that can go wrong in distributed systems.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I really like your description of the idea of a learning object. Um, And and then in this master's thesis that you're writing around KubeCloud, you you have this KubeCloud project that is, what it it's the it's kind of the center of your master's thesis, but your your thesis is also about education and just the process of how somebody learns. Uh it's got this real real meta appeal to it. And one of the things that you discuss is this need for a learning object in order to effectively learn. And this really appealed to me as somebody who studied a lot of different things before happening on computer science and computer science was something that really appealed to me because I was able to program and, and feel active and interface with the thing that I am learning about as I am learning. Um, it's almost like a dissection as a biology student, give, give the listeners a description of this idea of the learning object. What is a learning object and how does that apply to cube cloud?
1: Okay, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We have been actually, so so we are master thesis uh, students within uh, computer engineering, and and but we we really thought that it was really um, important to understand what what is uh, a learning activity, and, and especially how can we use a learning object um, in this sense. So we we wrote a, a chapter in our our master thesis about um, all of these different teaching styles and how. Um, how you can use this uh, active approach to, to teaching, uh, basically. There's been a lot of research within um, topics like problem-based learning, where you use uh, a specific problem in, in, your, um, in your course to, to design this course around this problem. And we also took some of this uh, these thoughts and, and used them in, in our course. And um, the, the, these kind of methods, these active methods also... Um, to some extent, um, open up for the the possibility of using this uh, learning object basically, and um, a theory like activity theory discussed these things about uh, this mediating tool to to actually uh, for students to construct uh, learning uh, by using this this object. So this was some of the the theories that we were. We were reading about and, and interested in, in trying to apply in, in, in the course that we need to, needed to design and, and the learning object that we, we then designed as KubeCloud. As
0: okay, so let's get more of an idea of what KubeCloud actually is. So with KubeCloud, you are trying to build a tangible computing cluster, tangible cloud computing cluster. Describe the technical architecture of KubeCloud from a high level.
2: Oh, so um, you mean um, how it's uh, how it's assembled or what it consists of?
0: Yeah, yes, yes. Just like a high level, like give me you know as much of the stack as you want to talk about it first, and then we can drill down into it.
2: Okay, so um, we have these um, four Raspberry Pis um, stacked, uh, and then on uh, then on the operating system layer uh, we run uh, Arc Linux, uh, and then uh, on top uh, of that. We have uh, Kubernetes running uh, with one of them as being uh, the master, and uh, and and we have used the project uh, called uh, Kubernetes on ARM, um, which uh, I with uh, which is which is made by a guy from Finland um, called called Lucas, <laughs> um, and he uh, um, well uh, this kind of. Um, this 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 has been used uh, to install uh, the Kubernetes um, on each Raspberry Pi, uh, and then uh, it also uses uh, Docker to set up uh, this uh, this notion of a um, of a Kubernetes um, cluster for each of these cube um, clouds, and then we run uh, different um, different applications um, on it.
0: So, for listeners who might be unfamiliar with this with this space. Basically, we've done all these shows about Kubernetes, which is kind of like this data center operating system. So you have a data center, and Kubernetes is the tool that you use to orchestrate all the resources among your different uh, servers in the data center. You break them into these smaller components and where you can do resource management. And what you have done with KubeCloud is you've built this way of Basically, doing that on, or you've assembled a way of doing it on Raspberry Pis, and it simulates the entire data center in a sense. It's sort of like the minimum viable product of a data center, and you can you can simulate the outages on a hardware or a software level, all through the stack, and give people a tangible sense of interfacing with a data center, interfacing with a cloud computing cluster. And it's funny because tangible cloud is almost like this oxymoronic <laughs> statement because like cloud is this supposed to be this ephemeral thing. Oh, I just summon a resource from AWS. I don't have to care about how, you know, where in the data center it sits. It's just, it, but, but here you're, you're you're turning that on its head and saying, okay, no, we actually want to know we actually want to have a tangible sense for what this thing is and how it works from top to bottom. And in order to, to further that notion um, let's like take a journey from the bottom of the stack to the top of the stack. And let's just start with the hardware. And I'm a little intimidated by this because I am not a hardware expert. I'm a software person, but you know, the hardware you're using, you know, like uh, I don't know what else you, you know, you, we could talk in terms of like the, the hardware stack being a server a router and a switch, or maybe you want to go deeper than that. Why don't you just talk about the hardware that you're using at first? So we can get an idea of how we should be thinking about a data center at least from Cube Cloud's point of view.
1: Okay, so so as Martin just explained, we we have four Raspberry Pi uh, model. I think the Raspberry Pi Two is model B. Um, so so the, this is this low cost, uh, nice little device that actually has some some alright power. I guess um, it's it's a I think it's nine hundred megahertz uh, processor, uh, quad core, and has one. Gigabyte of, of, of memory, um, as far as I remember, and it's it's actually a, a, a quite nice little device. Um, so that's that's the the hardware part. Then we have, of course, uh, a switch. Uh, so 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 these Raspberry Pis is set up in the star topology with the switch in in the center, and um, we are, we actually have. So that is one Cube Cloud, and we have eight of these uh, small Cube Cloud clusters that can then be. Uh, assembled into to one big cluster, if, if, if you would like that. Um, um, so that, that's the, the, the hardware side of it. Um, I don't think there's that much more hardware than, than, actually than this. Um, and we are, we are not hardware experts uh, either. So, <laughs> Certainly. So the components
0: of this hardware stack that I did want to touch on that are components of a data center that software engineers might not be super familiar with are a server, a router, and a switch, and you know we've heard these topics as software engineers, but they're things that maybe we haven't delved into. Can you explain the responsibilities of a server, a router, and a switch?
2: Well, so um, in our um, setup, we have used um, well the uh, the server as this um, this uh, this this unit of resource uh, that we then can. Can combine, uh, or we, uh, that we can that, that that we can assemble multiple servers um, of, and then they are connected um, through this switch uh, in our setup, um, and then again um, further to uh, to a router, where the router then um, has the responsibility um, of of assigning um, IPs to our, um, to our to our to our servers
0: okay um so what about the the like what is a router responsible for when what is a switch responsible for in a distributed system in a data center
1: oh that's a that's a really good question so so the 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 router is is basically responsible for in in again we are using it in in our terms so we use the router as this gateway for for basically the internet connection so well, for us to to be able to, to use Kubernetes um, on these devices, we need access to the internet. So we use the router as this um, piece of device that we can connect to, and then we uh, then every Kube cloud basically gets access to the internet, and and they can download uh, the images that they need from 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 Docker Hub, uh, for example. So the router basically acts as uh, yeah as this proxy to the internet in our case, um, and the switch is, um, yeah, it's it's basically just connecting uh, the, the different uh, Raspberry Pis together in, in, yeah, so that creating the network between uh, the, the the different devices. So that that's basically uh, how we as, use it.
0: So as you're building this cube cloud and you're constructing this, the, you're wiring these Raspberry Pis together. I mean, the the root of these questions is basically. As a software engineer, like I've been using Macs for most of my career. So I have not built my own computer. I'm somewhat ashamed to say, but I actually think that many of the listeners are in the same boat. They've never built their own computer, and they have no sense of the hardware that they're using. And I think that's fine, but it's also fine to say, let's build our own data center on Raspberry Pis. Um, and so you know, your explanation of routers and switches, um, is that all that you need to know as... As a, a couple of engineers who are building a data center out of Raspberry Pis, is that literally the extent to which you need to understand routing and switching?
1: Well, in, in our case, it is. We we haven't been, been digging deep into to each of these devices' uh, specific rep- responsibility, but we, the, these are everyday devices that you just basically use in your home network and, and stuff like that. So. So we just needed some you know commodity hardware that were easily easily be connected to to each other. So so that's how we we use it. We haven't been, you know, going deep into what is specifically the router's responsibility in 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 a data center, but we use it in 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 our way in, in KubeCloud, basically. The thing that we used it for
2: were well what um, the thing that uh, that that we found interesting um, was this what happens when you when you distribute uh, your, uh, your applications um, over multiple servers, um, what happens if, uh, if, if one of your servers, then, then, uh, that, then disappears. And that was something that we were able to do uh, by creating this, you would say local network. Um, uh, and then we could do this tangible ba- um, thing of pulling the plug and then and and then uh, then observe um, what happens so that was the point for us um, in uh, um, in having the network um, physically in front of us
0: okay so you basically understood the minimum about the hardware that you needed to to simulate the hardware failures perhaps so your Raspberry Pi data center is running several different layers of software that we need to know about. And at the lowest level, you chose not to go with a hypervisor. Um, we Maybe we want to get into the hypervisor discussion, but that maybe is not relevant to this. Um, there are other episodes where we've talked about hypervisors, but you eventually ended up with Arch Linux as kind of the lowest level of the software layer. This is just the operating system level how did you end up with this configuration for the os level what were the different operating system discussions you were having about what operating system you were going to run on these raspberry Pis?
2: right um first um first we tried out um the hybrid os um that is a uh, these uh, these guys who have been doing a lot of awesome stuff um on um on uh docker on raspberry pi so um, what we needed to be able uh, to do um, to run uh, these containers, well, this hypervisor or container uh, discussion, I might just uh, dig into that uh, just a little bit. Um, and kind of because we went with containers uh, since hypervisors probably would be a bit overkill for these small devices, uh, then, we, uh, then we wanted a stack uh, that could run uh, Dugger and Kubernetes um and to to run kubernetes um we we uh we we actually saw the configuration um that uh, i and and and, and uh, ray saying um had been using and that was an operating system um called um hybrid os and uh that that actually went f- went fine for for i think a couple of weeks um for us um, and then we had some stability issues, um, and later I, and also experienced, um, some of these, uh, the, uh, these, uh, these issues, uh, he had been using an older version of hybrid OS than, than we had, uh, and the error didn't occur there. So we, so we actually, um, ended up with, with our Linux, um, because of stability issues in the other version that we had been using. Um, and s- since we had to, uh, since we had to um deliver these uh, small clusters to uh, to the groups of students um, then we had to have a stable um, setup so so we actually ended up um, testing out which, uh, which 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 uh, which version that was um, most stable in our case so that was kind of the the reason for choosing Arc Linux uh, instead of um, hybrid OS.
0: And on top of Arch Linux, you run Kubernetes, which is managing Docker containers. Describe the process of deploying Kubernetes to the Raspberry Pi cluster. I mean, I've you know I'm an armchair architect. I've just been talking to people about how, how Kubernetes works, you know, what is this. What happens in the thing of event of a failure? What are the different things I can do with Kubernetes? But I have never deployed it, and I haven't really talked to anybody about the difficulties of deploying it. It sounds like kind of a complex installation process, or maybe it's not. Tell me about how you actually deploy Kubernetes to a cluster.
2: Yeah. Okay. So um, we were kind of lucky uh, that uh, that this uh, Kubernetes on ARM project um, existed, because. Um, uh, there, there already uh, exists uh, this um, this project um, from which you can install um, Kubernetes on ARM, and it's called Kubernetes on ARM. So you actually you, you can download a, a Debian um, package, or you can um, or, or you can install a, a kind of right away um, from uh, from a GitHub um, a, a repo the. Uh, the needed files uh, right onto your uh, right onto your SD card, um, and then you uh, then you have, then you actually only have to uh, to, to type uh, cube install, um, and then it will install it um, for you. So um, there is this guy called Lucas who has, um, I think he has cross compiled uh, to ARM um, himself, and then shift to uh, some official binaries um, in the latest version of it. As far as I remember.
0: Okay, so once you deploy it, uh, what I mean you can you can build applications. So at the application layer, you use Spring Cloud to deploy services. Explain what Spring Cloud is, how you use it, and what the interaction is at that application layer between the services you're deploying with Spring Cloud and Kubernetes. Kubernetes.
1: Yes, of course. Great question. So, um f- we we needed some kind of uh, framework or something that would get the students uh, easily up and running with with building microservices and and understanding some of these uh, these concepts that we have been, been been teaching. Um so and and basically Spring Spring Boot and Spring Cloud basically provides this uh, for us in an easily uh way by simply annotating, um, stuff. So for example, we, uh, we have been, uh, discussing the, the, the pattern, uh, described by, uh, Michael Nygaard called the circuit breaker pattern, which I guess is, is used, uh, many places. Um, and basically you can, you can easily get a circuit breaker pattern in, in Spring Cloud by basically just writing a, a few lines of code and, and then you're up and running with a, a really great, um, yeah a uh, circuit breaker pattern with a dashboard and everything um so this is one of the reasons that why we we chose uh, spring um spring cloud and spring boot and um further the the students are actually being int- introduced or um to to c and c plus plus and c sharp um before so the transition into to java uh, hasn't been been a problem so we wanted something that' were, kind of similar to to C Sharp in, in some, to some extent, and, and Java was uh, an, an, an obvious choice in, in that sense.
0: So can you talk more about how you write a service in Spring Cloud, or do you have any like examples of a project you would give to your students where you would say, hey, we're going to build these services, and this is how you deploy them to Spring Cloud, and this is how they interact with Kubernetes?
1: Yes, um, so we, uh, we have used the Spring initializer, which is if you go to spring. Uh, start.spring.io, you can basically uh, choose the dependencies that you need in your project. So we had uh, a few minimum requirements for what the st- students needed to, to add into these projects. So first of all, they needed to, uh, to use this uh, configuration, uh, um, Spring Cloud Config, which is a, a centralized configuration tool, basically. Where you set up a, a, a config server that fetches some uh, configuration from from a GitHub repository and then provides that to the uh, config clients. So that was one of the the requirements that we, we we wanted in 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 these projects that the students had had to build. Another requirement were the use of the API uh, gateway pattern, um, which is also really easy to uh, to use um, in in Spring Cloud because Spring Cloud is uh, Combined with a lot of these Netflix uh, open source projects, like uh, like Soul, which is uh, this gatekeeper that actually provides you with this uh, API gateway pattern. So, so this was some of the requirements that we uh, we had for the students um, to to these projects. And and you can they can basically just go to start.spring.io, choose the dependencies that they need, uh, download, or generate a project, and then they can start building from there. So they get everything set up and they are ready to basically. Write the code that they uh, they want in the applications. So that's a really really easy way to to get started with uh, with these uh, services that uh, were needed in, the, in in these projects.
0: So we're talking about teaching students with Cube Cloud, and listeners might be confused. This is like a, a project about attaching Raspberry Pis to Kubernetes, and it's also a master's thesis. Uh, and it's also—is it also a course, or what exactly is going on here? Are you teaching people with KubeCloud? Have you actually deployed this to classrooms and used it in practice?
1: Yeah. So um, to to explain it, it in more detail, so we we got the opportunity to. Uh, so it actually started out by us wanted to build something with Raspberry Pi and Kubernetes um, because we thought this was really cool, and then it turned out that. Um, there were some problems with with students not being introduced to uh, to these distributed systems, so we actually we thought we could we could do something here and we got the opportunity to design this uh, this course um, about microservices and docker and Kubernetes and resilience and and all of these things um, and we actually uh, taught this course um, for the past a couple of months now, I guess, and we had the exam in, in the beginning of, of this month so so we have been so this was part of, the, of our master thesis as well, designing a course and actually building uh, KubeCloud uh, to provide um, the students with this learning object for actually getting some hands-on experience with these tools and trying to build these microservices and and actually testing them as well with, with the different uh, testing tools that we have uh, also provided them. Um, so it's it's a lot of things Um it's 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 the course and it's it's the learning object and this is what were the topic of our master thesis basically.
0: The learning experience of the education curriculum which you recommend from Cube Cloud has several modules. Give me a rundown of those modules. What are the modules that you urge people to learn through Cube Cloud?
2: Yeah, uh, so um, the first module is about. Uh, that's an introduction um, to these uh, to this new way of architecting uh, your applications. So that's kind of the the transition uh, from from the monolith to the to microservices. Um, and then um, with that knowledge, um, we uh, built module two uh, two around uh, um, containerization and hypervisors. Uh, most uh, focused on the containers and especially um, Docker, and then knowing about um, how these containers work, um, we we introduced uh, Kubernetes in module three to orchestrate uh, all of these um, containers that that you build to, to get some kind of uh, way to manage uh, the complexity of having a lot of uh, containers, and then module four. Is about uh, that's about resilience uh, and what can go wrong uh, now that we have a lot of uh, independently deployable uh, applications uh, that communicate uh, over a network. Uh, then we have, uh, or then we need to to be able um, to handle uh, if something fails. Uh, since we don't have this one unit, we have these multiple units that independently can fail. Then how does one um, one uh, one one application handled that another one fails so um, that was what uh, that was what the fourth uh, week uh, was about and then in the fifth module um, we had an external presentation from um, um, from a guy called uh, Martin Amdisen um, at uh, at pragma uh, about how they um, well that's this um, continuous uh, delivery uh, Consultancy um, uh, company, uh, and he um, he he uh, kind of uh, presented um, how um, how they use Daga and how they build these uh, continuous uh, deployment um, pipelines, kind of to give some kind of uh, link to the real world. And then uh, in module six, um, uh, DNS was introduced, um, not by us uh, but by another master's thesis uh, student uh, who. Um, who, um, who had been digging into this um, uh, subject, um, and then uh, in the seventh um, week, uh, we uh, talked about service discovery. Um, so how you can do that as a server side service discovery and client side service discovery, um, and how it is done in uh, Kubernetes. Um, and furthermore, uh, the students uh, had to um, had to present uh, their own uh, group project. Um, in which they had had uh, this um, this case of of building uh, a resilient um, uh, e-commerce platform uh, for Black Friday, so uh, the sudden increase uh, in traffic um, should be possible uh, to be handled. Um, yeah,
0: I love the tangibility of all of these different things that you're covering in these modules and. It is in such stark contrast to the types of distributed systems education that I encountered in college. Uh, not to 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 uh, to to cast that to the side or throw it in the trash or whatever, but um, you know, I, I know that this type of approach would have appealed to me more because it's so much more hands on. It's very much like these are operational things you are learning. Um, but you know, I can imagine that there might, you know, this might. Contrast or rub people the wrong way if they're in academia and they're very used to a theoretical approach. What has been the response when you kind of show this this curriculum style to to uh, to, to to academics?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. So we are in- engineering students, and I guess that makes it more practical in. Uh, compared to computer science, uh, at least here in uh, in, in our city. Um, so our education has actually been quite hands-on um, with a lot of uh, different technologies and tools. Um, but of course, we have also have a lot of uh, theory about different uh, topics and stuff like that. And we also um, used one or two hours every module trying to to go through the... The, the theories um to some extent, not uh, digging uh, really deep, but to actually just give the the knowledge that the student students needed in order to get going and and actually this is part of of the the teaching strategy that, that we chose that students need to to construct their their own learning uh, to some extent and they need to figure out what they need um, to to solve the problem so we we have a lot of um we have tried to to create a course that allows students to to use problem-solving techniques and to basically figure out themselves what they need. Um, but with us as uh, in this facilitating role, uh, being there to to help them uh, if they are in need of uh, of anything. So that was kind of the idea behind the course. Um, we haven't actually been uh, been out uh, trying to uh, to to get some feedback from from the hardcore computer science academia so but but maybe we we get some feedback uh, after after this <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well yeah we'll be looking for that i mean i do want to talk i do want to talk some about the the academic versus um industry research so um you know obviously this is this whole project is kind of a statement on that the fact that the evolution of cloud computing needs more focus in the academic community. Academia should focus more on cloud computing. Why hasn't that happened?
1: Oh, that—that's. Uh, I think it's—it's it's partly because of this rapid-moving uh, industry. Basically, a lot of a lot of companies are moving. Very very fast at the moment and have been uh, for the past many years since I guess since cloud computing were, were introduced so there's always been this um, industry driven um, research uh, so it has been google and and all these uh, big companies doing their own research in order to, to to figure out what they need in order to to meet the demand that the, that the customers is, is is basically uh, expecting and these expectations is of course um, always, um, you know, evolving. So the customers get higher and higher in expectations, and it, this basically drives the, the the demand on on these uh, on us as developers to to make better and better solutions and and more complex solutions, and in, in order to meet these uh, these demands. So I, I think the, the the big problem has has been this rapid change and. And of course, there are a lot of universities out there that is focusing on on cloud computing, but there is also a lot that that haven't had this focus. Um, so, I, I think that that's the main reason is that it's the it's the industry that has had the the need um, and have yeah
0: right. So so when industry researchers have made breakthroughs in distributed computing, some examples that come to mind are Spanner. Big table, MapReduce, these things that have come out of Google, for example, there's I'm sure there's plenty of examples from Microsoft Research as well, Facebook research. These are groundbreaking discoveries of things that we can do in computing. With such a high caliber of research coming out of the industry, why do researchers still spend time in academia?
1: Well, I think there's also another reason for, for resources, researchers in academia that hasn't been able to actually do research because they haven't had the the, the right tools. They haven't had this big data center, uh, these uh, many resources to, to actually buy and build maybe a, a data center in their basement. And, and it, it's quite expensive uh, to, to build uh, some kind of uh, scale model that is... Some kind of uh, replica of uh, or small scale replica of, of a data center that is actually able to provide you with, yeah, the the resources that you need to to do this research. But this is something that we we try to to accommodate in some way with with Kube Cloud because it's it's actually quite cheap to to build uh, these small scale data centers. Of course, they are not. Um, they are really small scale of, of 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 big data centers, but but you can actually use them for for teaching these uh, concepts uh, to some extent, and you can also do some some research on them. We have been trying out these different patterns with uh, Michael Nygard with the uh, circuit breaker pattern and try to uh, to yeah to to actually verify some of, of the effects of using these patterns. Um, so you can do some. F- that's a lot of things you can do with a uh, 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 small data center like KubeCloud. But of course, that's the, the, I guess the price and, uh, is, is, and the resources, access to, to real resources has been the, the, the biggest problem.
0: What are some examples of the type of research that would be funded in academic computer science that would not be funded in industrial
1: computer science? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think I have an answer for that. Um, so, so.
0: <laughs> all right, that's that's totally fair. Um, and this is what concerns me about academia: is the thing is that I can't think of something. I mean, like the, historically, the argument was that there are these like moonshots or these things that are just of pure scientific value that would have no relevance to an industrial uh, company. But uh, these days, I am having a really hard time thinking of projects that fit that bill. The one exception I can think of is maybe the um, high. What is it? The um, the uh, not. The, what is the thing in Europe? It's the like shoots um, Adam atom smasher thing. Um,
2: CERN. The, CERN. Right. Uh, large, yeah, like, the, like that.
0: Right. Like that thing seemingly has no direct practical commercial application and yet we are putting billions into it um and you know this is this does it does in my gut when i look at this i'm like this does seem like an important project but it's it's essentially i mean it's not i don't know if it's exactly academic but it's more of a public works project that is you know it's not academic but it's probably closer to academia than industry Um, i mean are there questions like this in computer science that are so far outside the realm of commercialization that uh, they have to be they have to be researched in academia.
1: Hmm, that's that's a really good question. Um, the the basically the idea that, that we had were basically that we wanted to to provide students with uh, a, a nice tool for uh, for learning these uh, these skills. Um, so that was the the reason why okay. we, we we got into this um, well
0: so, so so let's talk more about that I should I should I should level the conversation a little bit more closer to, to cube cloud. So you know uh, I think this is this is an awesome idea. I think it's a huge idea also I think cube cloud is is such such a compelling idea as a learning tool it's almost it almost to me sounds like it could be turned into an entire boot camp like an entire coding boot camp you could have around, distributed systems do you think that's i mean could you potentially do that like is that a commercially viable opportunity that sounds appealing to you
1: yeah sure it is Uh, we have have actually thought about it ourselves Uh, so maybe there is somebody out there who who wants to make this into a a product that can actually be sold to universities but we we are we are doing this we are trying to open source everything that we have basically uh, found out about KubeCloud. and we we would like to to provide this as a as a, as a guide to how you can as a university go and buy uh, these uh, raspberry pi clusters and and it it's fairly cheap we we have spent like 2000 us dollars on 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 these uh, this hardware and, and of course a lot of time, but 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 you can get a lot for for a very few few dollars basically.
0: To what degree do you think you need an instructor for this project? Like if I'm just some random developer, I'm learning on my own, maybe I'm using free code camp, or I'm using Udacity, or I'm learning on my own somehow. I hear about KubeCloud and I'm like, well, this sounds like a great way to learn about distributed systems. Should I just like read kubecloud and Go build my Raspberry Pi data center and become a distributed systems engineer all on my own, or do I need an instructor? Do I need somebody helping me out?
2: Oh, that's a big question. Well, I think um, I think a little guidance uh, can uh, is a great thing uh, to 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 speed up uh, the process. Um, but I, I think that you if you have some knowledge um, already, then you could uh, spend uh well you you well you could spend more time and then uh and then uh, and, and and then um learn 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 a lot of learn a lot of it, learn a lot of it um, by yourself hmm. there are a lot of uh, great um, videos on a lot of the topics um that really can 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 assist you um,
0: absolutely and i will say i will say those types of videos are the backbone of software engineering daily much of well what i am able to to do with this show is thanks to YouTube videos that I watch about distributed systems or talks about whatever. It's just, it's an amazing resource. Um, so I want to talk a little, a little bit more about the project. Um, you know, Cloud is this really long master's thesis, uh, or I mean, I'm sure most master's thesis are quite long, but <laughs> it has so much information. And one of the pieces of information that you have in the project is these collections of surveys that you did, um, kind of these quizlets. Describe what these surveys are and what you discovered in
1: them. Okay, so so we 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 wanted to uh, to find out if if QCloud was a, a good idea or not. So we actually we we did a uh, uh, we we both did um, weekly. Um, kind of uh, reflection assignments that the student has to, had to, um, to hand in. And within these, we ask questions about KubeCloud and the effect of how, how did KubeCloud help you in, 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 in this week's topics and stuff like that. And then uh, at the end of the course, we also ask them about the overall rating of KubeCloud of and, and the learning activity that we have designed around KubeCloud. And the, if we should talk a bit about the uh, the results of, of this evaluation, it, it basically showed that it, Qplot was a, a really great idea, um, especially in, within the area of um, providing a better understanding of errors in distributed systems. So we, we asked a question about that, and uh, 87.6 of the students either agree or strongly agree with that statement that like KubeCloud provides a a great understanding of errors in distributed systems. So this was one of the the great uh, findings. And this was also what we expected because in in the week that we were um, discussing resilience and and we we actually had an uh, an exercise that the students had to to do as well. And the exercise was to, for three minutes, to to put a lot of uh, load on the cluster, go up to the cluster and, and pull the plug and what's the effect of uh, of having uh, replicas, uh, so having multiple pods uh, running the same application, and they were af- after that they were really uh, really keen on just shooting down the cluster with with a lot of lot of uh, attacks, <laughs> and, and were, it was really great to see. And they really uh, they really also tested their their own application with these different tools that we uh, provided them. So. So, so the overall evaluation was really great, and um, so we, we asked a lot of different uh, questions uh, into different categories, and one of the, the other important ones were visualization. So there's a, this visualization tool out there uh, for Kubernetes, and it provides a really good um, insight into what's going on, on in, uh, going on in, inside a, a Kubernetes cluster with. Uh, yeah, with with the great visualization of uh, if you pull the plug, the the node is is turning red, and and you can see um, the rescheduling of of parts uh, happening. So so this was also a really um, so KubeCloud Cloud comp, uh, combined with this uh, visualization tool were really really a, a good combination. Um,
0: yeah. So so what's what's in the future for this project, and what what's in the future for you two? Are you what are you going to do after your masters? What is left uh, with with the Cube Cloud project that you still need to accomplish?
1: So we are we, we would like to 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 open source whatever we are we have found out. So we would like to we have a, a GitHub repository out there and we have a blog as well. And we will uh, for the next couple of weeks we will be uh, putting out some uh, articles and blog posts about. Um, different topics within the uh, design. We, we already have a blog post out there about how to, to get up and running with uh, Kubernetes on Arm and there's pictures of our clusters and stuff like that. So, so, so that, that's that already. And we have a, um, a GitHub repository where we have some, some of our, our applications uh, already. But we'll be putting, um, we'll, our idea is to, to make this kind of a simply kit in some way where you can, as, yeah, basically, as I talked about earlier, um, as a university, you can take this and you can get up and running uh, pretty fast with, with, these, uh, with this kind of uh, learning object. And, um, and of course, our um, experience is running this course as well.
0: That's great. Well, uh, Martin and Casper, thanks for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. I'm glad that uh, you guys are building a meaningful learning object for distributed Systems with KubeCloud.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you.